0: So uh, I don't know how you've, um, you know, it's probably a no-brainer how we've all felt as we've read the headlines um, this week in Ukraine. Pretty devastating, I'm sure, you know, many of us are still kind of pondering what's going on, uh, sort of even as we sit here this morning. Uh, very tragic, let's keep praying for them. And it seems to me um, that we're, we're li- we seem to be living in a, in, a, in a time of significant political and economic and social upheaval, that uh, you know, there are headlines sort of on a very regular basis, aren't there, of of crises and of changes and of, of things that are are just happening on a global and a national and a, even on a local scale. That I don't know about you, but I can become sort of a bit weighed down with sort of the heaviness of them. And uh, again, this week, as I've been as I've been reading the news and reading the headlines and thinking about Ukraine and praying for those dear people, I've the lord has found i found the lord whispering to me again as i've read these headlines you know hills i am where you'll find good news as my as i find my heart sinking with bad news jesus has been reminding me again this week i am where you'll find good news i am the one with good news for the world and i wonder how much we believe that this morning that he is the good news that the world needs, that what the angels declared 2,000 years ago uh, as they appeared on a mountainside and spoke to shepherds about, I've got, we've got great news, of, you know, good news of great joy for, for mankind. I wonder how much we really believe that this morning, how in touch we are with the truth that there's a time coming when, as we read this morning in that prayer, Psalm 46, he will cause wars to cease all over the world. That there's a time coming when he will be exalted among the nations. That there's a time coming when there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And that there will no longer be any death. That there will be no more crying, no more mourning, no more pain. And how often do we engage with that truth, that there is that time coming. It is very real, and that day will come. I hate winter. Tim alluded to it this morning. Many of you know that, because i said it here before. I hate winter, and I especially hate February. It's my least favourite month. I struggle to find anything good about it. And I can't, you know, sometimes people say to me, well, we get pancake day in February. Well, pancake day isn't even in February this year. I mean, it seems to me the only good thing about February is that it's got 28 days. I hate the dark, I hate the cold, you know. And I'm just grateful for the odd friend that has a birthday in February that helps me to sort of celebrate it and liven it up a bit. (laughs) But the thing that encourages me in February is that you know towards the end of the month I don't know if you've noticed but the dafts are coming up there's some crocuses around the sun is shining a bit it's actually a little bit warmer and there's uh, this promise of spring coming isn't there it's like well February is about to end and spring is about to be here and it's the news that March and spring and then summer is coming that kind of pulls me through February and actually what part of the good news that Jesus offers us, promises us, offers the world is that there's this day coming, that there's this day coming, that there's this new day coming when, you know, there'll be no pain, no more mourning. The the game will be over and we will be living with him in his presence, seeing him face to face. But then, of course, obviously, there's good news now, isn't there? There's good news now that God invites us into relationship with him, that he's alive, that he's resurrected, that he offers us an invitation on a daily basis to come to him. I love how uh, the um, message version says it in Matthew 11 verse 30, to keep company with him so that we can live freely and lightly now. Who needs to live freely and lightly now? (laughs) In this week, in February 22, with everything that's going on in our world, I don't know about you, but the notion of being able to live with freedom and with a lightness in my spirit, yes, please, Lord. And that's the invitation, isn't it? The good news that we can experience that now as we walk with him. Friends, we have good news. If we're following Jesus, we have good news. We have good news that the world needs to hear. Whatever season you're in at the moment, whether you're in a kind of February in your life, whether there's adversity, whether you're facing adversity, whether every step that you take at the moment requires everything that you have, or whether you're in a season of adventure and God's opening new doors for you and you're kind of outside your comfort zone and loving it, whatever season you're in, whatever season I'm in, we have good news. And we have good news that the world needs to hear. We know the good news. We know him. And actually, God's plan A, and he doesn't have a plan B, is that we're the ones to take that good news to the world. I want us to uh, open our Bibles. If you've got a Bible, paper Bible, good, electronic Bible, good. We read this morning about Acts 2.42, what was happening as the church exploded. I want us to just read a few verses from Acts chapter 1. As we wrap up our series on uh, the, the great commandments, loving the Lord with all our God. Uh, Loving the Lord our God with all of our hearts, mind, soul, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. We're wrapping that up today, and I want to dig a little bit further this morning into what it means to love our neighbor as ourselves by bringing and being the good news. So, Acts chapter 1, a few verses uh, from verse 4 to 8, actually verse 4 to 9. Luke writes this, on one occasion while Jesus was eating with them, there we are, eating again, it's all about food wonder if they'd said grace. (laughs) He gave them this command, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about, for John baptized with water. But in a few days, you guys are going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So they gather around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? I love it. They always ask questions that just display they have got no idea what he said and what is going on. It just encourages me so much. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. A few weeks ago, Tim and I had uh, the privilege, uh, one of our children bought us tickets to go and see a show in London. Uh, it was Agatha Christie's *A Witness for the Prosecution*. Don't know if you've seen it on TV or in the cinema. You know, the Agatha Christie seems to get recycled over and over again, doesn't she? Her great stories. And actually, this, is, um, this show is in County Hall in London, which actually feels and looks a little bit like a courtroom. I'm not going to tell you who did it. Somebody once did that to me at school. They told me who did it in The Mousetrap, and I thought, well, I'm never going to watch it. Didn't take much notice. And then really annoyingly, a few years later, when I was sitting in the theatre, watching A Mousetrap, somebody had taken me there, uh, somebody had taken me out to watch it, I suddenly remembered <laughs> who done it, and it was so annoying. So I'm not going to ruin, ruin it and tell you who did it, but it was fantastic. It was this courtroom drama, and... Uh, not, Needless to say, from the um, title, you will, you will discover, you will work out that the, the, the witness, there is a particular witness in this show whose testimony is hugely significant and changes the course of direction for one of the guys uh, in the trial and uh, a different outcome, a different future is the result of this witness's testimony. God's plan, as I've said, is for the news about Jesus the good news about Jesus, the good news about the day coming, the spring coming, God's plan is for that news to get out into this world through witnesses. Pope John uh, XXIII said this, Every Christian must be convinced of his or her fundamental and vital duty of bearing witness to the truth in which he or she believes and the grace that has transformed them. We're not to be witnesses who stand in courtrooms, obviously. We're to be witnesses who stand at the school gate. Witnesses who stand in the office. Witnesses who stand at the coffee machine. Witnesses who stand in operating theatres. Witnesses who stand, you know, in in the schoolroom. Witnesses who uh, stand alongside colleagues, alongside neighbours, alongside friends and family. The minute we accept his invitation to relationship and to follow him... He gives us his Holy Spirit. Why? To give us power to be witnesses. You are a witness. Whether you think you are or not, whether you like it or not, you are a witness. If you know Jesus, you are a witness. The person sitting next to you, if they know Jesus, is a witness. Witnesses not for the prosecution, but for the resurrection. We're witnesses to the resurrection. And so if we're going to love our world as Jesus wants us to love it, probably the most significant, the most loving thing we can do is to share the news about him, to be witnesses uh, for him. Last week, Tim talked about being good news, and he talked about showing the power of God as part of being the good news. I want to just talk in the moments that we have together this morning about a different dimension of being good news, being witnesses which is about sharing our stories witnesses share stories don't they witnesses have something to say about something they've seen or something that they've heard when i was at university and the penny dropped about jesus and i realized that he'd invited me into relationship that he wanted me to know his love and he wanted me to love him back And I began to discover this God who could speak and who acted and who intervened and who wanted me to walk with him. I got really, really, really excited. And I wanted everyone to know about him. And I especially wanted my family to know about him. And uh, what I thought, what I didn't understand, I thought it was my job to persuade my family. I thought it was my job to kind of get them to to discover Jesus for themselves, to get them to start following him, to get them to love him in the way that I did. So I went about trying really, really hard to persuade them. And I kind of figured that if they didn't end up following Jesus, if they didn't end up knowing him for themselves, it would somehow be kind of a failure on my part. So we kind of had all kinds of conversations that then evolved into discussions, that then evolved into disagreements. I brought my best arguments, my best uh, sort of um, objective conversation i thought if i could find the right words or if i could find the right you know way of articulating things or i could find the right evidence or the right you know proof or whatever somehow they would see and that they would decide to follow him good motives terrible methods we got to the stage in my family where we ended up particularly with my parents not being able to talk about him because it became such a sensitive subject so i'd done it so badly do you know what I was trying to be a barrister. That's what I was trying to be. I was trying to be a barrister, trying to prove a point, trying to prove, uh, you know, everything about God. What I hadn't twigged is that witnesses basically have a much simpler job. They literally just tell a story. They tell their story, which is actually an incomplete story, isn't it? It's just their version of events, what they've seen and what they've heard, their experience. And that I just had to share my experience, my bit of my story with Jesus, what I knew about him, what I'd seen him do, what I'd heard him say, whatever. And actually, it was so liberating to realise that, a bit too late in the day for my family, that I didn't have to be articulate, that we don't have to sort of be, you know, hugely literate biblically, that we don't have to be able to explain everything personally. We just need our story and a willingness to share it. I remember the first person who was a witness to me uh, about Jesus as I was a teenager. And uh, she never sort of actively tried very hard to bring him up in conversation. She would just drop very naturally into some of the chats we had, things that he'd been saying to her, ways that she'd seen him sort of move in her life, things that she felt he'd done for him. She would talk about him a bit like he was a friend when it was relevant to our conversation. And I kind of just had this growing impression of somebody that actually I thought, well, I want to know him. I want to have that kind of relationship too. I love the fact that he is how you're describing him. She was very significant as a witness to me. I wonder who was a witness to you. I wonder how you heard some of the good news, probably bits of it. Who were the witnesses that Jesus sent to you? witnesses are just people that have seen or heard something they're the people that have been to the holiday destination and not just seen it on the internet done about you but we've been places because people have come back and recommended it to us they've shared a few of their experiences and they've got us excited and so we thought well let's go there too witnesses are people that have been to the new restaurant that's opened in town and written their review or shared their story not just the people who know about it What's your story with Jesus? Which bits of your story feel worth telling? What have you seen him do? What have you heard him say? How is he impacting your life right now? How would you put that into words? What's he teaching you? What's he been showing you? What's he doing? What promises is he highlighting again? I mean, obviously, some of us have got longer stories than others. Some of us have got stories with loads of chapters in. And some of us are just at the beginning, and God's just beginning to write a story. But if you know Jesus and you've made a decision to follow him, you have a story of some sort. I love the story of the Good Samaritan. Um, Not the Good Samaritan, the, um, the Samaritan woman at the well. You know, she has one conversation with him, doesn't she? One conversation and she tells her, he tells her one fact about her life and then says, you know, I'm the one that, you know, is going to satisfy your thirst and a relationship with me is going to change things for you. She had one conversation and then what does she do? She runs off to her village, I love her exaggeration, and says so she met a man that told him her everything she ever did. I think she probably had a more complicated life than that. But within within seconds of a conversation, she's sharing her story. Short story, very succinct story. It's actually a tiny little paragraph of what will have become a longer story. But it had a huge impact, didn't it? On the people around her. And some of the people in the village became followers of Jesus, not because they met him, but because of her story. She had a small story, but she, she shared it. Don't diminish... You know, if you need to hear it this morning, don't diminish the value or what you consider to be the size of your story. Some of us have really dramatic stories of transformation to to tell, and others of us have less dramatic stories of transformation. But we all have a story, and Jesus wants us to be telling those stories. Back to my dad. I can't have those kind of conversations with him you know, that are objective ones that I'd love to, but I can share bits of my story with him. So when my mum was dying, God spoke to me about what he wanted, what God wanted us to say to my mum before she died. And it was a little bit of my story at that particular point in time. I was able to tell my father what God, what Jesus was saying to me and invite him to communicate some of the stuff to her that, that God had said to me, my mum needed to hear. My dad was open to that. My dad was open to that, and he responded. You know, he's got a way to go, but I'm able to witness to him and share my story with him in a way that I can't talk to him uh, in, different, in other ways. Sharing moments, updates, experience, and our response to them. It's all part of our daily interaction, isn't it? You know, Many of us are sharing bits of our stories on, on Instagram or on the Internet uh, on a regular basis. It's what we do as humans, isn't it? We share bits of our story all the time. How was our day? What we've been up to, what we've been doing, what kind of football matches we've been watching, how we think about, you know, <laughs> how England has been playing, whatever. How have you seen him provide? How have you seen him provide for you? How have you heard him speak? What's he been saying lately? How have you seen him guide you? How has he given you hope in your pain or in your grief? How's he be, has he encouraged you when you've been down and at your wit's end? When's he shown you a way forward where you just couldn't see one? How's he given you peace in the storm? Has he ever given you strength when you felt empty? Has he been good to you? And how's he been good to you? Do you know, most people around us need encouraging in some way. Most people around us need hope of some sort and Jesus wants to use you and me to bring them those people the nuggets of hope the nuggets of light the nuggets of encouragement that we ourselves need and he does that through just us sharing bits of our story we're not responsible for how they respond those people the Holy Spirit does that He's responsible for their hearts. He's responsible for their response. We're just responsible for opening our mouths. Opening our mouths, that's all we need to do. How about asking him specifically for some opportunities this week, just to share bits of our story. I was talking to a friend this week who's in a really challenging place in her life, but she's been praying recently, Lord, I want to get to know the neighbours on this side of my house. I want to get to know the neighbours so I can talk to them You know, I can share a bit of my story. Fence blew down in the storm, whatever it was. Eunice, Franklin, Graham, you know, who knows what they're called these days. But the fence blew down on that side of the house. And guess what? She ended up having a conversation, getting to know the neighbor, being invited over for supper that night over a broken fence. You know, she prayed for an opportunity. How about praying for opportunities? Is that what we're doing? Here's the thing. As we pray for opportunities to share bits of our stories, we don't need, you know, to be articulate. We don't need, you know, lots of qualifications or, you know, whatever. We just need courage. We need courage, don't we? You know, let's acknowledge that. We need courage. It says in Acts 4.13, when they saw the courage, this is the people... You know, in this story that we've been reading at the beginning of Acts, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, the confidence with which they were speaking, and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished. And they took note that they'd been with Jesus. They were sharing what they'd seen. They'd sharing what they heard. And what did people take note of? Oh, Jesus is real, and you've been with him. They needed courage. Let's not remember. Let's not forget. Let me remind you and remind myself this morning. The enemy wants to keep our mouths shut. It's why we need courage to open them. It's why we feel that kind of trepidation or that fear or maybe just a bit of anxiety about what will they think? Will they reject me? Will they think I'm mad? (laughs) How will I be reacted to? What will they think? What will they say if I share a little bit of my story? about what God's been saying to me this week or what happened when I was in that kind of scenario. Well, that fear, let's just, friends, let's let that fear remind us that there's power in our stories when we open our mouths. That's why the enemy wants us to keep our mouths shut. But we need to pray for courage, or if I need to pray for courage, maybe you don't. The enemy wants our stories kept inside because he knows that they're powerful. Even the really small chapters of them. I could say more, but I won't, because it would be good to pray. Friends, we're called to love our neighbour through actions, but also through words. You know, I know, um, you know, sometimes it's said, isn't it, actions speak louder than words. Jesus didn't say that. We love with our actions, But we also love with our words, by sharing our stories, by sharing the good news that we have experienced. And God has positioned you, wherever you are, think about the people around you. Think about your family. Think about your community. Think about your workplaces. Think about the, the friends that you hang out with. God has positioned you amongst those people intentionally. And you have a story that those people need to hear. So let's be praying for those opportunities. Can we be praying for those opportunities even this week? Let's be praying for courage. And let's believe that what we have to share, our world needs to hear.